Warning. The following content may contain elements that are not suitable to some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Two Depressed Girls podcast. My name is Amy and I am here with April. Hello there. That's my signature. Okay. Alright guys, so today we're talking about uh, a case that's I feel like really well known and something that I've been fascinated with and this is April's baby today. <laughs> So I'm not really going to say she, I'm just here for commentary and I'm probably going to have questions. So today we're talking about the case of John Benet Ramsey. So this is a really heavily debated topic. We'll kind of start here with the background. John Benet Ramsey was born in August of 1990. She was a pageant girl. This caused a lot of controversy with people, but she truly, she really loved to perform. She wasn't forced into it. Like there was speculation saying her mother made her do it. No, she really wanted to do it. She enjoyed it. She loved performing. She loved being in front of people. She was extremely extroverted. Her mother too was a pageant girl, kind of just followed in the family. A little background about um, her parents. John Ramsey, her father, was a very wealthy man. He had property in Atlanta and their house in Colorado was enormous. Like we saw the pictures, it was fucking huge. When they do an overhead shot of this house, it is like a manor. It it really is. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, and so um, I've heard two different numbers. One said that the house was 6,700 square feet. (sighs) Another said 7,200. Yeah, exactly. So it's four stories. There is the basement. There is the main level, which might have bedrooms in it. I'm not entirely sure. There wasn't a whole lot of information about the floor plan. There was the second level where a majority of the bedrooms were. This is where John Benet's room was, along with her brother Bert. And then the top floor was the master bedroom. The entire top floor of this house was the master bedroom. So. John Ramsey was a very wealthy man. They live in an affluent neighborhood. Um, it was stated that his, uh, the company he worked for had a billion dollars in sales. He got oh an extraordinary bonus. Like I'm kind of jealous of the bonus. Patsy, from what I gathered, was kind of just the stay-at-home mom, you know, wealthy husband. And she took a lot of pride in her home. I mean, I would too if I lived in a fucking 15-bedroom house. That's how fucking big it was. Bro, I thought I was balling when I got, like, a three-bedroom house. I know, right? Like, (laughs) I'm like, you know, when I moved into my house, I'm like, you know, I fucking made it. And it's like, oh. 15 bedrooms? mm -hmm. The whole four stories thing baffles my mind because I struggle going up my two-story house. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. Luckily, you know, one of the floors is underground and, you know, yeah. basements. Who goes in a fucking basement? Uh, that'll <laughs> that'll play a lot into the story. But uh, yeah, and so Patsy, she took a lot of pride in her home. She loved to decorate. She, it was said that during Christmas time, when this whole thing happened, uh, she had a Christmas tree in every room. I aspire to be like that. I know, right? Like I fucking love Christmas trees. Yeah, I'll have one in every fucking room. She even brought people in because they lived in a very safe neighborhood. She kind of had people come in and tour her house because of how much time she took to decorate, how, how amazing everything looked 
looked like it was the winter wonderland. Rich people are wild, man, <laughs> because that is not my first thought when I decorate my house is to have people tour my house. I don't like people. I don't want anybody in my house. Well, Patsy Ramsey was much like her daughter, very extroverted, loved people, mm. could talk to anyone, you know, could have a conversation with anyone, you know, passing by in the grocery store, whatever. Yeah. You know, she was perfectly fine hosting people, having people over. On December 25th, Christmas, 1996, John Vinay was six years old, you know, celebrating Christmas with her family, you know, Christmas time, it's you know, about family, giving, uh, just, you know, the holidays, you know, the best time of the year. On the night of Christmas, the family goes out, I'm not exactly sure where, but it's reported that John Binet, on the drive home, falls asleep in the car. Her father brought her from the car up to her room on the second story. The next morning, five o'clock, Patsy wakes up, goes downstairs, makes some coffee, finds a note addressed to her husband, John. It is a ransom note, two and a half pages written saying, I have abducted your daughter. If you want her to see 1997, you will follow these demands. If you don't follow these demands, she'll die. The person who wrote the ransom note said they demand $118,000 for the safe return of John Binet. Patsy sees this, is frantic, calls 911 immediately. It's possible that she went up and checked John Binet's room first, but regardless, she calls 911. Her daughter is missing. There's a ransom note. The police come over, and in the note it said, you will receive a call between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. with the instructions for the money. It said $100,000 in $100 bills and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. So there'd be further instructions, how to get her back, where to put the money and everything in the call. The call doesn't happen. This is suspicious. So while this is going on, there is one police officer at the house. Stated one police officer was there. So the Ramses are calling their friends. They have them come over. <laughs> Amy shaking her head. I don't know how I feel about this because I feel like, and I'm just speaking for myself, but I think this case was extremely mishandled by the police. Yeah, and we'll totally get into that because there wasn't a whole lot of discretion taken because Patsy and John call their friends. You know, they're trying to get information. Have you seen her? Have you heard anything? Yeah. And then they're like, can you please come to our house? There were 18 people in that house. So they had their friends, family, neighbors, all over and they are passing around the ransom note oh jeez. so two and a half page note everyone's reading it they're putting their fingerprints on it disrupting any dna that could have previously been there from the person who abducted john benet not only are they touching the ransom note just being in the house is a disruption to the crime scene the police allowed the people to come over they did not object they did not stop them they did not say you can't be here nope they're like eh, it's fine at the time that the call did not happen in which it was supposed to the police officer recommends to john well why don't you look around your house why don't you look around the house, bitch? Right? I mean, it's kind of your job. What the fuck? 
you know, just more evidence of the case being mishandled. If it's a kidnapping, I would think it's a crime scene. Everyone the fuck out, you know, trying to fit, yeah, sure, interview people, but you need that crime scene pristine to find evidence, to pull fingerprints, to pull DNA, to figure out the situation, what's going on, how to solve it, where is John Binet? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in most cases where, like, maybe the child has been abducted, don't, like, usually police officers set up, like, a little headquarters thing, like, outside of the house to, like, preserve the crime scene? Yes. I don't know if that's, like, a more recent thing that they've done. This is 1996. True. December 1996. I was two. You were five. Right. Newly two and five were December babies. Uh But, yeah, it's just a very weird situation all around. Police are telling John, look around your house. He's got a big-ass house. He has his buddy. Go with him. The basement is where John finds his daughter. John Binet is tied up, has tape over her mouth, wrists are bound. He said that he was able to remove the tape from her mouth but couldn't get her wrists untied. So he begins to carry her up the stairs and he's screaming. He needs help. He is fairly certain his daughter is dead. I I, I really couldn't say. I haven't been in the situation. I don't and I don't have a child. But I mean, you have to be frantic. You have found your daughter who is was missing. You know, there was a ransom note. Now she's found bound and most likely dead. And so the police do confirm this. She is dead. She died from strangulation and a blow to the back of the head. To me, the whole strangulation thing is so weird. Yes. She was also sexually assaulted. Um, I hate that. It, it's, it's such... A sad situation and the blow to the head caused an enormous skull fracture. We were watching a documentary and I don't know if this was the actual evidence photo, but if it's mimicking anything like what it actually was, that was a whack to the head man. mm -hmm. It was just enormous, traumatic. I mean, I saw it too and it, it just like, I was shocked that this could be done to a child taken for an autopsy in which they found out she had been sexually assaulted. They did um, a bunch of testing, DNA testing on what she was wearing, trying to find any sort of evidence. And when John Bonet was released back to the Ramses, they took her to Atlanta, Georgia, where they were from, and had her buried. And so this brought on a lot of speculation because people are wondering why after the Ramses find out their daughter is deceased, are they flying to Georgia? They had another residence there. I mean, the way I think of it is this is where my daughter was brutally murdered. No, I don't want to stay in this fucking house. I don't blame them one bit. Yeah, fly to the other side of the country because this happened in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, I want to get on the other side of the fucking country away from the trauma and, I mean, the police constantly being in there to find more evidence i mean when i when i lost my daughter like i wanted to get as far away from here as possible and that is just because you know there was a complication with my pregnancy like i don't blame them at all i would have been on the first motherfucking flight out of there yeah and and they were they wanted to bury her in atlanta where they're from was she born there or was she born in colorado she was born there okay so i mean that makes sense yeah but it's not weird to me at all it was to the media and the media caused a lot of complications in this case um there was a lot of people 
who thought that the Ramses did it. There was some evidence to show this, such as a paintbrush that was used against Jean Benet that was part of a kit that was Patsy's. And they thought, oh, that's Patsy's kit. Oh, Patsy was involved. This was just a painting kit that was in the basement. It wasn't necessarily, you know, it wasn't a major instrument used in the death of John Bonet. Another thing that raised a lot of eyes or eyebrows, that's the phrase, raised a lot of eyebrows <laughs> after I said it. I'm like, wait, what am I saying? It was the stationery in which the ransom note was written. It was Patsy's. They thought, you know, maybe Patsy wrote it. There was evidence showing that it had previously been written on that. <laughs> Go ahead. Why? If she killed her daughter, why the fuck would she use her own goddamn stationery? I mean, it just seemed like it was, you know, more proof that they had done it. Oh my god. And it was it showed that there was this was the second draft of the letter. When you're writing, you know, the pen marks, it right. it shows that indentation. So this was the second time that the letter had been written. And my way of thinking is if someone is going to kill someone, you don't want to bring additional things into the house. Use what's already there. Yeah. There's no paper trail, there's no this, there's no that. But the police saw it as evidence. There was a lot of other things that was, you know, thrown to the media. A lot of things that were considered suspicious was behavior of the family in a lot of interviews that were conducted. First of which being Patsy. She had done an interview to the public discussing the death of her daughter and trying to find the killer. And people really analyzed her behavior saying, this isn't the behavior of a mother who just lost her child. She was too calm. She wasn't, you know, frantic. She wasn't this and that. But if you think about it, you just went through this trauma. They're a very wealthy family. Who's to say she isn't in therapy? Who's to say she wasn't given antidepressants, wasn't given anxiety medication? It's very likely. I mean, I saw the interview and I can kind of see that it, it's very possible that she was on some sort of medication to calm her nerves, to keep her from being hysterical. And I mean, you you sort of need that at that time. Yes, you should, you know, process and cope and everything, but those medications are there to help. Yeah. And ultimately that's kind of my thinking was, you know, she's she took something, she's on something to help her deal with this situation and she shouldn't be blamed for it. She just lost her kid. Yeah. <laughs> Come uh, on. Um, another person who was speculated heavily was her brother, Burke. Now, that one I kind of get. So, Burke behaved very differently from Jean Benet because Jean Benet was very extroverted. Burke, not so much. He was very much like his father. And when he was in an interview, they had this posted. Um, I saw parts of it. And he was very nonchalant he was very this was him as a child yeah he also did a doctor doctor phil interview many years later I'll also discuss that uh initial interview he was very nonchalant about it and he discussed oh i think this is how it happened i think this is how it happened he didn't really seem to be mourning the death of his sister he was it, i'm not saying that he enjoyed talking about it 
but it, it didn't seem to phase him, which people thought that is very fucking weird. So my thought is it's very possible from the mannerisms that Burke has, the way he composes himself, the way in which he talks is it's very possible he could be on the spectrum yeah. for autism, Asperger's, because that is the behavior in which someone on this spectrum kind of presents. Yeah. And people smile at uncomfortable situations, they avoid eye contact, and that's very much what he was doing during this interview. People wanted to say, oh, the brother, he didn't care, he wasn't mourning the death of his sister, he did it. The media was portraying the Ramses as child killers, that they killed their own child. Immediately, the Ramses got attorneys. And of course, this raised some red flags because, oh, you're trying to say that you're innocent. You're trying to say that you didn't do it. Why are you getting attorneys? Why the fuck aren't you getting attorneys? The, the media is putting out all this information about you saying, Oh, you did it. You did it. Of course you're going to get attorneys. You need to defend yourself. And it's not a crime to get an attorney. You are, it is your right as a person of this country to get an attorney. So that isn't any sort of conviction. It isn't any evidence of foul play or, or anything. The media wants to say, oh, they got some, they lawyered up immediately. This is more proof of their guilt. The media really, really played up that John and Patsy Ramsey were bad people and that they were guilty. This was done by saying that the Ramseys were not at all cooperative with the police, that they would not do interviews, that they would not provide DNA. They had stated that Patsy's handwriting exactly matched the handwriting of the ransom note. Forensic an analysis was done of Patsy and John's handwriting writing and it was found non-conclusive to match the handwriting in the ransom note. There was also an article that was put out saying that they are looking for child pornography. It wasn't determined that there was any found because there wasn't, but the media didn't release that. They just wanted to put in people's minds, oh, there's a possibility of John and Patsy having child pornography. They were trying to paint this picture that they're bad people, that they killed their child, that they are guilty. They gave the Boulder Police Department a lot to work with in the way of the public image of John and Patsy Ramsey. In June of 1998, there was an interview done with both John and Patsy. It was done separately. They were in their own rooms. It was done at the same time so that they couldn't get together, convene, work on the same story and everything. That was a smart move. Yeah, and it, it is. It really is. Um, however, their story didn't waver. There wasn't anything. The uh, detectives and investigators really tried to pit them against each other as detectives tend to do. They said that there was scientific evidence that proved they did it. Both John and Patsy said, that's not true because we didn't do it. You need to go back to the drawing board. You need to find the person who actually did it. Mm -hmm. Patsy became really frustrated during this interview as a mother should be because she's being blamed for something. They're not looking for the actual killer. It was infuriating to her. She had several outbursts during this interview. She didn't cuss. We were watching it and it was funny because she was like, you know, would say flipping instead of the F word and funny, there's no expletives and it's like if I were in that case, I know I'd be cussing up a storm, but she handled herself very professionally despite her frustration and they said they believed 
that due to her frustration, it proved that she was strong and resilient and she was strong enough to kill her child. At this point, the governor of Colorado is fed up. It's been nearly two years since the case happened and he decides along with, uh, you know, the police department and everyone, uh, there is going to be a grand jury to see about the indictment of John and Patsy, and Patsy Ramsey to see if there is enough evidence to take them to trial and convict them. And if you want to hear the continuation of this story, you'll have to stick around to part two. Yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> that is uh, all we're giving you today. Join us on uh, Wednesday and you can hear part two. In the meantime, go check out our social media. I'll leave the link tree in the description of each and every single episode we do. Don't forget to follow us and yeah, join us on Wednesday for part two. Bye.